We Infuse Podcast, episode number 58. Welcome to the We Infuse Podcast. My name is Amanda Brummett. In every episode, we give you a seat at the table as we talk to Infusion Center owners, operators, and experts so you can get the insight you need to run a thriving practice. In this episode, we talk with Sean Polakirthi, co-founder and CEO of Somacare. Sean shares great insight for streamlining the pre-authorization process to be sure patients don't fall through the cracks. And he encourages us to lean into process improvement to make a positive impact on patients during a vulnerable time in their life. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Sean. We're so excited to have you on the show. Yeah, I'm very, very excited to be on the show and obviously to be to be working with you all and with We Infuse in general. Yeah, thank you. Well, I suspect that many of our listeners are familiar with you, but for those that aren't, can you just start at the beginning and give us all of your background? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, my my background, uh, as I started school, I finished school with an engineering and economics degree, I kind of really liked that combination of practical problem solving with the, the, the maybe more head in the cloud kind of stuff associated with econ. Um, and I left there to work for a management consulting organization for a Bain & Company. And I, I actually come from a uh, a family of a lot of doctors, both my parents, one of my brothers, uncles and aunts, some grandparents, it's just doctors everywhere at family reunions. And when I started at Bain, one of the things that I told the um, the staffing manager was, I will work on essentially anything except for healthcare. I want to stay as far, far, far away from healthcare as possible. No healthcare? Yeah, I wanted to stay away from healthcare. Um and when I left, I left Bain because I knew I wanted to be in, in small companies. I loved kind of the, the excitement of, of building something new, of getting it going, um, and really trying to, trying to push for scale. And um, when I left, I, I had no interest in going into healthcare for, for all of the reasons. I, I wanted to get away from kind of what my family had done, and it just seemed like an old and slow industry. Uh, but I kept running into this issue where I talked to companies that were interesting from some intellectual perspective, but I just didn't, in a sense, care what happened with them. Um, it didn't feel like I was I was that motive. Like I never felt like really motivated by what they were working on. Not not no one was working on bad stuff. It just wasn't wasn't stuff that like really got me going. And ended up connecting with a founder of a company uh, through a close friend that was working on a healthcare problem. And, and I actually didn't really have any interest, but you know, I, I had the conversation with him because I respected him as someone that I, I had known. And it, what can I say? I, I kind of fell in love with, with this industry. And, and you know, as, as frustrating and as slow um, as it is and as, as behind the ball when it comes to technology as it is, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, what was what what's always been really um, motivating for me, and what's been exciting for me is if you can build something in healthcare that that makes the system better. Then at the end of the day, that that is certainly helping a patient um, who is probably in a really tough spot in their life, uh, and and that's that's kind of frankly what what I use whenever things get hard or I'm frustrated or annoyed. Um, and I also think it's just a really interesting industry. Uh, because of you know just so many wacky incentives, and you start to piece them together, and you start to figure out like how do you align the incentives to to work together? You can actually make magic happen. 
Um, so I've been in healthcare for essentially most of my career, um, ever, ever since leaving consulting and uh, started at a company trying to bring price transparency to healthcare services, uh, ended up starting a company in the chronic care management space. Um, and, and just based on some experiences from that, I um, it, it was really a, a big part of what, what caused us to want to found the company that we did here at Somacare. Awesome. And I'm going to get back to Somacare in just a minute. Yeah. Um, I, I love your concept of making the system better and you help the patient. That's beautiful. And I also appreciate your humility, but I'm going to brag on you if okay, if that's okay. You failed to mention that that engineering and econ degree was at Dartmouth. <laughs> yeah, well it, was, it was definitely, I was, uh, I was fortunate and, and happy to have gone there. It's definitely been an important part of my life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad that you accidentally got into healthcare. Um, <laughs> Same here. Same here. Yeah. Can you walk us through how you made that transition into the specialty medication realm? And then after that, then I want to get back to, to Somacare and exactly what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, be- before this, I'd started a company, as I mentioned, in chronic care management. And I had been in healthcare at that point for, for five, six years. Um, but I'd never actually worked, ironically, given, you know, my parents and my family and, and whatnot, who are all doctors, I'd never worked in a clinical setting. I'd never seen inside of a clinical setting. And that experience was really eye-opening because, you know, my, my dad, um, He's he's such a mild mannered individual. Never complains or or, or gets angry about anything, uh, except for a couple of items. And one of those items is actually prior authorization. Um, he just gets so frustrated when he talks about it. And as a kid, I was always you know as a you know, annoying teen, I was always like, oh, dad just wants something to to get annoyed by. This isn't that bad, I'm sure. Uh, but working inside of clinics, it just got this really interesting eye-opening view into how administrative barriers like the prior authorization, they weren't just an annoyance that that caused some frustration here and there. It was this huge deal that had an impact on you know, how effective providers could be in, in terms of the overall workflow of the patient and, and their experience of going through um, going through care. And also just this huge impact on patients at, like I said, this incredibly vulnerable point in their lives where all of a sudden something like an administrative barrier, like prior authorization can just be this, this overwhelming, it's like the straw that breaks the camel's back. And you just get patients who aren't on, they're not on the therapies they should be on, not because, you know, they didn't want to do it, not because their doctor didn't want to do it, but because this, this kind of you know, very intensive process prevented them from actually getting onto the right the right therapy, and that that's really yeah. what got us into um, what we're doing now. And you know what what was interesting was um, you asked about specialty medications. We when we started to to dive into we we said prior authorization seems like this huge problem. Let's see what we can do here. And maybe because we're, we're kind of gluttons for punishment, we said, okay, so prior authorization is a problem. Where is it the worst of the worst problem? Like we wanted to start in a place where it was so painful and had such an immediate impact on, on the provider and on the patient where we could have, even if we were, we were partially successful, we could have a really meaningful impact. 
which is really what brought us to specialty medications, where there's so much pain around getting patients onto these. I mean, they're oftentimes expensive therapies because they're oftentimes incredibly effective at what they do and very unique. Um, and as a result, they, they end up having just a, a lot of barriers around the administrative side of things, the prior authorization side of things. Yeah, that all makes a ton of sense. Um, so let's go ahead and dive into Somacare. So I understand that you provide software to streamline the prior authorization process for some of these life-changing specialty medications. Can you walk us through how that works? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So my, my wife always likes to joke that we have the least sexy startup in the entire Silicon Valley area. <laughs> Which, which I think is probably true, but it's but a great tagline. Own it. Yeah, that's right. That should be the new tagline for some care. Um, yeah. So, so the way that it works is it, it really comes down to what the providers are experiencing in their workflow and, and getting into the nitty gritty. And what we, what we saw was that it was just this incredibly fragmented process. So every drug, every payer, um, the, the provider's office needed to do something different for each of them. A lot of times, an embarrassing amount of time, not for, for our providers, but just for the state of the industry is a lot of it was facts. It's literally Googling a form, printing off a that form, filling it out by hand, and then faxing it to the insurance company. Not because doctors are technologically slow. It's because a lot of times that's exactly and only what the payer is expecting. Yeah, it's um, crazy. It is totally crazy. <laughs> It's totally crazy. And what, what the impact is for providers is it's just such a fragmented workflow that it's very easy for things to get lost, for um, information to get, say, miskeyed or misentered and it, to get lost somehow in the system where all of a sudden someone that should be getting onto, onto treatment you know, tomorrow has to wait another month or a couple months or maybe doesn't ever end up getting on that treatment at all. And that that fragmentation is what we really focused on in, in our software. So what we do is Somacare offers this single place to submit the authorization across all of the various payers, across the different drugs that the, the provider is using, um, to actually submit it to that payer in, in a single place. And we handle the, the kind of complexity of, oh, this particular payer wants you to submit their facts. This payer wants you to submit through you know, this, this specific web portal, we kind of manage that process. So we get it to the payer. Um, and then we are tracking the response back from the, the payer. So we're intercepting the response when it comes back. So that as soon as we see it, our system is automatically categorizing the response saying, oh, this has been approved. This has been denied. Here, there's a request for more information for the payer. So that the uh, the provider's office sees that essentially immediately, or the 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 office sees, oh, we need to actually take action on Jane Doe, John Smith. It's it's approved. We can start scheduling the patient. Um, so so single place to submit, single place to track all of those responses, and then just as importantly, a single place to manage this overall process to be able to say, okay, across the thousand prior authorizations that are in flight in our practice, 900 of them are actually fine. They've been approved. We can start, we can start moving on them, but we know that a hundred of those are somehow uh, re requesting more information are getting denials require some sort of an appeal. So just being able to see that birds level view, not just for the individual user, 
but also for the administrator of the practice of the of the office to be able to say, oh, here's where we're getting problems. Here are the payers that maybe we need to have conversations with because they're taking a really long time or they're they're approving these these drugs at a very low rate. Um, so so having that that bird's eye level view of of the management process. So again, single place to submit the authorization, to track the authorization, to manage all of the authorizations at the at the office. That seems very efficient um, and like something that we definitely need. Tell me about you. You talked about in the fragmentation, people get lost. Um, you know, you hit a barrier, so they just fall off. And um, what does your system do to to ping the payer or ping the provider's office and keep it um, keep it keep it something that we're paying attention to, so the patient doesn't fall through the cracks? Yeah, absolutely. So. The biggest thing, right, is just having this organization, this, this place to have everything in one 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 site, one view. Um, so we have different filters for being able to see, like, where are there authorizations that are, uh, say, you know, for a patient that's coming up in seven days, 14 days, a month. So basically making it really easy for the provider to see that. Where are there expired authorizations? Um that like, hey, it looks like this patient maybe is coming in next month, but their authorization has expired as of today. How do we make it really easy to one, see that and then to take action on it? So we have this ability to duplicate the authorization. That's something that we get a lot of utilization out of. And we see a lot of uh, our, our users and, and providers really like that is to be able to get that back to the payer and to get the response as quickly as possible. Um so, so really what it comes down to is, is having that view and that ability to see what's going on rather than having to track it in unstructured um, notes in an EMR or, or to, to have to look at a spreadsheet somewhere and um, making it easy for like if, you know, if my colleague has gone tomorrow on vacation for me to pick up their authorization to figure out what's going on or if someone has to leave the practice for whatever reason to be able to pick it up quickly and to... That to make sure that it doesn't result in some sort of uh, pause to care. Yeah, that's perfect. That the process is not um, determined around a certain person. That it, yeah. it lives independently. Love yeah, that. Absolutely. So then, as I understand, there is now a We Infuse and Salma Care partnership. Yep. So for folks that are on the We Infuse software platform, how does that look for them? Do they need to turn it on? What does it cost? Is it already there? Give us all those details. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the easy, easiest ones there is on the cost, there is no cost. Um, yeah, there's there's no cost either to, uh, um, from We Infuse or from Somicare to turn that on. In terms of some of the details of turning it on, we're we're kind of working some of those out, but basically they, they don't need to really do anything besides letting we infuse know, like, hey, we're partnered with Somacare. We wanna we wanna make sure that that data that's coming from we infuse is getting transferred into Somacare um, and vice versa. And the the way we think about it is in the short term, it's really just about making sure that like the the simplest information, the demographics of the patient, of the provider's office, that kind of stuff is getting transferred nicely from we infuse that they're already using into Somacare, so they don't need to re-enter, you know, manually enter any of that information. That's mm-hmm. kind of the initial phase of it. What I'm really excited about long-term is really deepening the, the way those integrations work. So everything that's going into the We Infuse that's relevant for the authorization just gets automatically pushed into Somacare. And when, when there's a response that's coming back and, and there's information about the authorization of the patient, that that's 
that's coming in through Somacare, that that's getting pushed back into WeInfuse. So that's kind of the longer term plan. Um, but just to, to make sure that this is an immediate win for practices, really just making sure that that, that Im- information on the demographic side is getting pulled from WeInfuse into Somacare. Um, so it's it's just reducing manual entry to start off. And long term, you know, we want to work with WeInfuse. And I know, I know those like the WeInfuse folks are super excited about this too, is how do we make that process as automated and integrated as possible long term? For sure, because every time we don't have a human being rekeying something, we reduce the opportunity for errors. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that sounds like an amazing um, partnership, and I'm really excited about it. Um, Let's dive a little bit more into your um, experience in infusions. What would you say has been your biggest challenge in infusion practice and and maybe a specific story that gives us a behind the scenes view? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, I was thinking about this question and I don't think there's been like one, you know, capital C big challenge that we've run into. It's been more just a small set of challenges and it it really comes down to uh it's it comes down to workflow. Um, workflow is just a little bit different. And, you know, when we started with infusion centers, all of our experience had been with, with uh, providers that were actually both prescribing the drug and administering the drug. And so we just had to, we had to come to kind of learn the way the workflow works. And I think there's some small challenges uh, that I can bring up. Like, you know, we, we didn't used to think so much about uh, the difference between the referring prescribing uh, prescriber and doctor and the administering doctor. Those were always the same. Um, and so that ended up having some ways that it flowed into our system that we needed to change and to make it really easy for infusion centers, for example, who, you know, they might have a single doctor on staff, but they're servicing a thousand doctors. And so we've we've made some changes to our system to make it so you can do that where you can upload all of those doctors that you're servicing. So you don't need to re-enter those every single time that you're going through the system. And so that it maps really nicely into the different ways that the payer is asking for that information. That's one thing that that we've had to learn a little bit about. The other is just, you know, for an infusion center, we understand speed is of the essence. It's so important because you know, they might get, it might be a few different providers or a provider might send to a few different infusion center. And, you know, ultimately it comes down to the infusion center and needs to deliver an awesome experience for both the, the patient and for the prescriber. And one of the ways that they do that is by being able to act really, really quickly. And so we've kind of made some changes to our workflow um, to be more infusion center specific in that, in that use case so that they are able to um, to get through our system more quickly and to be able to um, to get the response more quickly. And there, there's some other things that we're working on in that regard where it's like, how do we make sure that it's really easy for them to deliver information back to uh, patients or back to, to the prescriber? So, so like one of the things that we've done, for example, is surfacing more of the expected time to approval so that the infusion center can, can tell their prescribing doctors or can tell the patient, like, here's how long the data is showing it should take. So you can just plan around that and can, can plan accordingly. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, and, and you said this earlier, you talked about patients being at a, at a really vulnerable state. Um, so I love that you're, you're one managing their expectations. So you're not adding anxiety on top of chronic disease. 
Um, but two, doing what you guys can to, to act quickly and get their treatment faster is huge. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because exactly to that point about, you know, at the end of the day, the patient, they don't, they don't care about the, the prior authorization. They don't care about any of these other pieces of this, this very large puzzle for getting along therapy, especially for the, the therapies that we work with, because we, mm-hmm. we tend to work with, you know, specialty medications that are incredibly important for them functioning as a normal person in, in their life. Um, all they care about is like, how do I get on therapy quickly? And how do I move on from this, what can be a traumatic experience in their life to, to just getting back to their life? And so one, of course, is how do you make that as fast as possible? But then two is how do you give them, because sometimes patients are like, well, I understand if you tell me that it's going to be a week or two days or you know whatever it's going to be before I can get on therapy. But I'd like to know that so I can kind of plan and set my expectations accordingly. Yeah, absolutely. Totally makes sense. Well, um, tell me what has been your biggest light bulb moment so far in the industry? The biggest light bulb moment? I, I think, you know, I'll cheat, Amanda, and I'll give you <laughs> give you two. One was very early on where we didn't realize how it, this is this is one where I think it sometimes gets underappreciated. It's just how many drugs and how many patients rely on infusions. Um, that that was definitely a light bulb moment. And I think I honestly think that's 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 increased so much over the last decade that I think it's it's something the industry hasn't quite caught up on. Um, it's why, frankly, like companies like we infuse are so valuable. Um, and, and frankly, like why we focus in the, the area that we do is because it has been historically underserved. And I think, um, you know, if you look at, if you look at kind of the, the number of patients that were getting infusions, say in 2005 compared to 2015 or compared to like 2023, it's just gone up so much, um, and that that's been a huge that was a very early light bulb moment for us the second light bulb moment that i'll say for me was it, it was it was kind of midway through or on the earlier side of of starting the company but but a little bit later than the first was just how incredibly important it is to pay attention to the specific workflow of any individual provider's office and you know you can have a, a one doc practice, you can have a you know, 5,000 doc health system. They all kind of operate a little bit differently. And it's important to really get into it because you can talk about those at a very high level and you can start to find commonalities. But until you get into the very detailed workings of how do they get from a prescription is written to the patient actually gets onto therapy. So you start to really map that out at a, at a very nitty gritty level. I think any solution that you create ends up being, it ends up being too broad or it doesn't end up being specific enough. And that that's been something I've come to really appreciate over the last five years is how important it is to dive very deeply into the workflow and understand that um, when you're crafting any solution that uses technology. Yeah, that is so right, Sean. And I do think a lot of times we want practices to fit our technology. And it sounds like you customize your technology to fit the practice um, and what's good for the patient, which probably makes you a great fit with the WeInfuse software too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There there has to be, you have to have the humility to, to realize like 
there's not one one solution to everything. And, and over time, I think there's almost a, a merger, right? Is if you start to you start to think more about like what are the many different kinds of workflows that exist out there that you you need to support as a technology. I think what ends up happening on the provider side is they start to see like, oh, this is working more than this other thing I was doing. And you start to get a little bit of a convergence between what what a tech because any technology company has to be, you, you can't you can't build something truly bespoke for everyone, or it's no longer a technology company. Right. Um, but I but I think what happens is if you're very respectful of the workflow as it exists, then that workflow does eventually change in, in ways that are both beneficial for you know, the provider and for like the, the technology actually meeting the provider's needs. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, you've shared a lot um, and really thinking about, you know, how many patients rely on infusions and um, how rapidly the industry is changing. It's, it's actually really exciting. Um, what are you most excited about right now in the infusion industry? Yeah, I, I think what I'm really excited about is it just seems like there's this embrace of technology. Um, and uh, with with technology, there's also an embrace of what I'll call like a form of experimentation is like, it's it's a lot of partially it's a it's a, you know, as they say, uh, invention is the well, what is it need is the mother necessity is the mother of invention. And I yeah. think what's happening is because you know, that that huge amount of growth that's happening in the infusion industry, there's an embrace of trying to trying to really figure out like what works and how do we make this work better for the patient, um, and you know with with all sorts of trends that are happening in the industry like site of care trends, uh, things related to that. I think there's been a lot more of like how do we create a great experience for the patient at the end of the day, um, and the way I believe you do that, like technology certainly helps, but I think even more important than that is really trying to experiment with different uh, approaches to addressing some of these problems, hopefully married with technology. Um, and and then really leaning into that and trying to figure out like, how do we make this the best possible experience? And I think the growth that's happened as has really uh, has really facilitated that that it's just a different mindset than I think, you know, not every part of the healthcare system has that mindset, unfortunately. And I love seeing that here. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, I couldn't imagine being diagnosed with one of these chronic conditions. Okay, so I find a doctor, somebody's going to help me, they've got some miracle drug, and then I find out, but wait a minute, it's going to take two weeks, three weeks, a month to get it approved. And, you know, you've gone from being scared to now I'm being scared and I'm maybe mad because I'm going to have to wait. Um, And I love the way that that you're using technology to really humanize the healthcare. Yeah, and, 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 you know, there's there's this experience I had relatively recently with a family member who it, it was it was a really tough situation. It was someone who he, he was towards the end of his life and it, it seemed like he was deteriorating pretty quickly. And there was this somewhat experimental medication that his family wanted to get him on. And you know, at the end of the day, I remember getting a call from his wife trying to get help on how to get him onto this therapy because she was getting blocked and, and her provider was getting blocked by prior authorization. And it ended up getting resolved. Unfortunately, he ended up passing away. And it, it probably wasn't going to be the difference in, in you know, him having a shot or not. 
But what what makes me so angry about the whole situation is he was always going to get approved for this. They it was just it was just this this thing. I don't even know if I blame the insurance company. I used to, but I don't anymore. <laughs> it was just this whole process and apparatus that slowed down him getting onto therapy. And and what what kills what what makes me angrier than the fact that he was he was put on therapy late was that his family had to had to fight in order to get him on therapy for something that was always going to happen just mm-hmm. because of this horrible horrible process mm-hmm. and to the extent that like we can make that a better experience for for folks like like you know this family member and his family that that is like what we're that that's that's essentially what we're trying to do is how do we make sure that just the amount of pain that ricochets at the patient gets reduced to the point where it's not a pain at all. It's just a thing where patients are able to get on the right therapy based on purely the clinical nature of what they need, what the doctor thinks is needed, um, and and what what they feel is right for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. To use your words, it's making the magic happen and the patient never even knows about it, which is perfect. Absolutely. Which is exactly how it should be. Yes, for sure. Well, Sean, you have shared so much great information. If you had one last piece of advice for our listeners, what would it be? Yeah, to go, to go back to what I what I was saying a moment ago is um, I, I think always just, just look for ways to experiment to make the process better. Um, and, and sometimes that means you need to you need to tolerate some degree of like experimenting is always more painful than doing what you've always done um, in the short term, but it's almost always much less painful and much better in the long term. And so I think whether it's, frankly, technology companies like us, providers, patients, whoever it is, just trying these little experiments that can help figure out where can you make it a little bit better um, and and trying to lean into those and figure out where there are the wins to be had. That is fantastic advice. Um, Thank you so much for that. We we all need to remember that every day uh, that we've got to tolerate that little bit of discomfort so that we make it better for the patients that trust us. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Well, thank you for your time today. Thank you for sharing Salma Care with us. And uh, we look forward to our listeners getting to explore it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Amanda. It's great to talk to you today. Well, that was great information from Sean Polakirthi of Salmacare about the complexity of pre-authorizations, customizing workflows, and experimenting to improve processes for patients. If you aren't familiar with the WeInfuse software platform and RX Toolkit's web-based resources, I encourage you to schedule a test drive and be sure to check out Salmacare during that test drive. These tools can save you time and money in your practice while making infusions safer for patients and caregivers. My name is Amanda Brummett, and we'll catch you in the next episode.